16. Okay, I had a, I've had a couple people tell me, you know, we've uh, been in Matthew for about two years. Not really? Not been two years? Hmm. Well, that's good. Well, we've still got a lot to go. <laughs> if you're able to stand, if you're able to stand, every now and then we'll pull something out of a different book of the Bible and preach out of there. If you come Sunday night, we won't be preaching out of Matthew, and Wednesday night we won't be preaching out of Matthew. Actually, I'm looking, uh, I've got a goal, if the Lord will let me. I want to preach a sermon out of every book of the Bible, one verse, uh, we'll do it on a Sunday, That's, that'd be 66 weeks, but we're going to cover every book of the Bible. So, there are some books of the Bible I... I've rarely scratched the surface. Uh, Levi Tychus. That's a, I think there's a couple, I, I have preached out of that, but anyways. Uh, anyways, okay, uh, let's begin at verse 21. We're going to read to verse 28. Yes, we read 21 last week, but that's all right. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom." Now, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, I could pull any one of these verses out and preach a sermon on that verse. As I prepared, I thought, there's a lot of messages there. But there's a reason they're all connected. There is a uh, context, uh, there's a context behind each verse that must be understood. And I think it will serve us spiritually, it will benefit us to understand why Jesus said all of this after he calls out the devil. I think it's important that we understand that. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer here. Father, we pray that you bless the service, minister to our hearts. We are thankful for the holy, wonderful word of God. We love it. We are a people who love your word. 
I believe we hunger and thirst after it. I believe, as the psalmist said, as the deer panteth after the water, our hearts pant after your word. And we pray that you would feed us and strengthen us and quench our spiritual thirst with it. We pray, Lord, that your people would be encouraged and blessed, whether they are watching on live stream or here in the congregation. I pray the Spirit of God would touch them and help them feel as though this is for them. This is personal. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I should take care of this earlier. All right. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about calling out the devil. We emphasized the passage there that we read in verse 23. Uh, this week, we will not prime... It won't be the primary emphasis, but there's, I will say there's more to be said than what was said last week. <clears throat> last week I mentioned that, personally, I believe one of the reasons that Jesus looked at Peter and said, uh, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. I said, I believed he said that because the devil was trying to hinder the gospel, that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He was trying to put a stop to that. But I think I've got a better answer than that. That is true. But there's a better answer, and it's even, it, it coincides with the text. Because you have to realize when Jesus said this to Peter, he didn't quit talking. He didn't just quit talking. Look at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples. He specifically looked at Peter. He calls out the devil. Then he speaks to his disciples. Now they were there. They were right there. And he makes some statements. I'll just read the, first, the next two verses. The very next thing he says after he calls out the devil is, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I want to just pause right there, and we've got to ask ourselves, why does that follow calling out the devil? I, I really believe you, you can get this if you haven't already. Peter spoke up right after Jesus said, they're going to kill me. Who is with Jesus? Who, is, who has given their lives to Jesus? Peter and the disciples? They're following him. So if he's going to die, what do you reckon their feelings are in regards to self-interest? It's not like any of us have any self-interest. Hello? They had self-interest at stake. Uh, did you say you're going to kill yourself? That's exactly what he said. He, well, kill yourself. Did you say you're going to get killed? That's exactly what he said. He's going to get killed. And <clears throat> I believe in their mind that brought to their attention that if we follow you, suffering is involved. 
And I'd like to tell you, church, and dear Christian, the devil doesn't want that message out. The devil doesn't want the average Christian to know that there is suffering involved. That's not comfortable. That doesn't fit my self-interest. I'm reading to you and sharing with you exactly what Jesus said, and I believe it's, it's the reason. And by the way, that type of Christianity is being propagated throughout the country. Health, wealth, prosperity with no suffering. And yet the absolute reality, Paul told Timothy, all that live godly will suffer persecution. Man, that's not fun to hear. Well, we're Christians, right? We come to learn the Word of God, right? We want to know what the Word of God says, what Jesus says, and we... I could have easily skipped this and said, you know, let's find something a little more cozy and comfy to read. But the reality, this is where we're at, and we need to understand why he called out the devil. Because there is a brand of Christianity that is being propagated that is not the truth. To think that you and I can be a Christian without going through trouble is heresy. It's heresy. Even way back in the days of Job, a man said, man, that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, there is a degree, and it varies, but it can be severe, a degree of suffering involved in living the Christian life. So... That's why we go from verse 23, get thee behind me, Satan, to verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I want to pause and ask you, do you get that? Does that make sense to you? Are we on the same page? This is what Jesus said. This is not what I said. This is not, I wouldn't want to make this stuff up. But I'm obligated to tell you what Jesus said. I'm obligated to follow Jesus. My loyalty is to Him. By the way, He's done way too much for me not to be loyal to Him. I have failed Him far more than I have followed Him. We read on here. <clears throat> well, I want to emphasize now that verse. Because I believe the Scripture that we just read... And this isn't a fancy title, but I believe Jesus is giving motivation to be faithful in time of suffering. That's kind of long, but motivation to be faithful in time of suffering. Because let's face it, most people, I won't say most, but a lot of people are suffering I know Brother Gary alluded in his opening prayer about there are Christians suffering persecution in other countries far more severe than we can imagine here. I mean, if the worst we have it is, man, it was cold, it was hard getting out of bed and coming to church today. If that's the worst we had it, friend, that's not bad at all. Come on. 
So what is this motivation? How do we stay motivated? What is the Lord telling us here to keep us going in time of suffering? Now, I want to say something quickly about this idea of suffering. There is some suffering that happens because you're following Christ. It's just it's going to happen because you chose to follow Christ. And honestly, that's the right kind. Whether you're a teenager and you tell the guy or the girl, I'm staying pure and I don't care what you think. And they make fun of you and they isolate you. Too bad. Stick to your guns. God's going to bless you. Or whether you're at work and there's a Christmas party with all the alcohol and all the stuff going on and, and it's, you know it's just not for you and so you say no and then they say, what, are you, you better than us? And they start looking at you funny. Or, or the diversity training that is mandatory in some places. And they want to hear from your lips. That you agree with everything they're pushing. And you say, I can't. I'm a Christian. And they say, well, we're going to have to let you go. Or we're going to have to remove you from your position. Well, now we're talking Christian suffering. At least to a small degree. I mean, not like them coming to the church holding guns up and saying, all right, if you're not a true, true Christian, you can leave. <laughs> Which that has happened. We're not there yet. But the way we get there is by not knowing how to handle the little sufferings that come our life. Then there's the other kind of suffering that is self-inflicted. You know, you said something you know you shouldn't have said. Hello? You lose your temper. Uh, you overindulged. Um, you slept in late for work and all, got, you know, that. I mean, there's some that are self-inflicted. I'm not talking about that. We can recover from that. And by the way, we'll recover from the other. We're talking about how to stay faithful in time of suffering. And that's what the Lord Jesus, he, he's just told the disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. But remember, they're just like us. They had selective hearing. It's like, it's like they didn't get the, you're going to rise from the dead. As a matter of fact, I, I don't have time to prove it to you, but I could take you a passage in John they didn't believe it. They didn't remember him saying that till after he rose from the grave. The thing that grabbed their attention and captured their mind and their focus when he spoke to them was, uh, they're going to kill me. And then the rest was like this, wah, 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 wah. But we know he said, and the third day I'll rise again. But their minds were, they're going to kill you. And we're following you. Well, what's that mean for us? It means uh, tough times are ahead. It means uh, there's a cross for you too. And that's what it means. Satan 
through the influence of Satan. He speaks through Peter. Forbid it, Lord. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now let me tell you, fellas. If any man will come after me. I want to pause and say this. This is not in reference to salvation. If any man will come after me. He didn't say if any man will get saved, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That is not what he said. He said if any man will come after me. Do you realize, do you realize God loves us so much? He's given us salvation available even if we didn't follow him. Well, that's not right. Well, I'm glad you're not God. Because let me ask you, have there been times in your life where you didn't follow him? Three of you said, uh, yeah. Aren't you glad that he's still your savior? Salvation was not a matter of taking up your cross. Salvation was a matter of you putting your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, receiving him as your savior. That was salvation. I don't care what anybody else says. That's salvation. You say, but there ought to be some evidence. I agree. But let's be honest. That evidence starts from within and it works its way out. And sometimes we have to be taken to the woodshed a few times for the evidence to show up. Because we're pretty, we're pretty rebellious at times. And so, first thing, the first thing... <coughs> that I would say here, in regard, that the Lord is saying here in regards to how to stay motivated through suffering. Well, first thing you need to understand is you can choose to follow Jesus or not. Well, you're not selling me. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to enjoy life as a Christian if you don't follow him. And if you're truly saved and you don't follow him, you will be like Solomon who said, his words were vanity of vanity. All is vanity. He could not find peace and joy regardless of how much money, regardless of how much knowledge, regardless of how much authority he had. His testimony was it's empty. It means nothing because I know God mentally and I know I'm not living for him. And so he concludes in the Ecclesiastes and he says the whole duty of man, fear God. And keep his commandments. But I'm just here to tell you, dear child of God, you and I choose. We chose to come to church today. We choose when we want to pick up our Bible and read it. It's our choice. It's not a matter of, well, if I want to get to heaven. Oh, no, 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 no. That does not determine whether or not you get to heaven. Are we clear on that? There's, There's only one thing that determines whether or not you get to heaven. And that's where you've put your dependency, in Jesus or you. Because his blood being shed on the cross was sufficient to pay for all of our sin. And I say it again, I'll say it again and again and again and again until he comes and takes us home. If at any one time I begin to say, you know what, maybe there's something that I need to do though to keep this salvation then I'm saying his blood was not enough. Well, that's like heresy there. Hello? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he lay it all out for us? 
Because he was the only way we could get to heaven. He was the only means of salvation and redemption. The only way was through Jesus Christ. Now, I have the choice. I have the freedom he's given me as his child to follow him. And by the way, I'll say this. The evidence of a true follower. Notice my words. The evidence of a true follower of Christ. Because it's easy to say, I'm a follower of Christ. But the proof is in the pudding. The evidence of a true follower is they will take up their cross. Well, what's that mean? That means when it comes to the point to where I have to decide whether or not following him and and suffering is going to come if I follow him, but comfort will come if I don't follow him. Now I'm going to reveal, am I really following him? Because I can say it with my mouth. I can say it with my mouth. John said it this way, My little children love not in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3.18 Because we can say things with our mouth. I, I would say, I would say this, a commendation to people who are watching, to people who are here. The very fact that you have tuned in Sunday to hear the Word of God and worship with us and and sing God's praises, regardless of other things that you said, this is important, that's a little evidence there. But here's somebody at work, and they got to go through diversity training, and the person, the Authorities that be say, we need you to sign on the dotted line here that says you agree with all that we have, are teaching here that, you know, and you realize in your own conscience you can't do that. Now you're going to really prove whether or not you're following him. Hello? In the public schools where apparently the authorities at B don't have enough sense to keep boys who think they're girls out of the girls' bathrooms and lockers. Lockers. Uh, The authorities, these are people that have college educations who are allowing this. Uh, Dear teenager, and the gym teacher says, you know, you got to go. No, you don't. You don't have to go to the locker room. Stay out of that. I mean, if there's a guy in there, I don't care what he says. If there's a girl in there, in the guy's locker, stay out. We're in a very strange place in our society. The very fact that you choose Jesus is going to appear revolutionary to some people. You hear me? It's like revolutionary. 
I realize we're still buffered a little bit in the Midwest, but let's be honest, there's enough nonsense that has got to us here already. Don't think more may not come. I mean, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but it's just like, if we don't determine now to take up our cross and follow him, When cross-bearing time is felt, it'll be easy for us to say, you know, not for me. Not for me. You know, Judas, and I don't believe Judas was a saved man, but after Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus, the devil used him, left him, and the Bible says that... uh, he came back to the scribes with the money. He was so overwhelmed with guilt. And they said, well, we don't want it. So it was thrown out, and Judas went and hung himself. You see, I, I'm just, dear child of God, we, we got to make up our mind uh, What kind of brand of Christianity am I living? Bible brand? Or a cultural brand made by man that is approved by the devil himself? I know this isn't as fun as last week, but this is the Bible. I'm just telling you, this is the reality. We got to hear this. I'm fully aware every now and then I got, I, I got to preach a sermon because I'm going across that text and it's like, that's not going to draw the crowd. Mercy. That could affect our tithes. I've been here long enough where it's like, oh well, who cares? I'm responsible for the Lord. And <laughs> Jesus, Jesus says... If you're going to stay motivated, you need to understand you still have liberty. You choose. Look at verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What's he saying there? Well, I wrote this down. I like this quote. When it is most uncomfortable to live for Jesus, it is always most profitable. When it is most uncomfortable to live for Jesus, it is always most profitable. I truly believe that when you and I decide and determine we're going to live for him and it's going to, it's, we're going to have to give up some self-interest to be faithful to him, we might even have to give up some creature comforts to be faithful to him. When all is said and done, we'll see it and we'll experience purpose, we'll experience joy, we'll experience enthusiasm, we'll experience a new awareness of his presence. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, let me ask you fellas, uh, they just passed a new law. They said now, they said that everybody's got to bow down when, when the music plays. Plays and they got to bow down to that great big golden statue that old King Nebuchadnezzar made. That's just a new law in town, fellas. I know you got your beliefs and all of that, but uh, this is a new law. Look, there are other Jews 
those that are bowing down, hear the music. Where you at, fellas? And they stood firm. They stood firm. Oh, well, what did they do? They revealed that they were bearing their cross. But not only that, not only that, they, they had to be confronted by the king. But they, they'd already made a decision. I'm all in for Jesus. They'd already made that decision. It was settled. They signed on the dotted line. We're all in, not for salvation, but we want him to know we are his. And so, uh, man, what happens? They confronted by the king. The king said, the king gets upset. He says, play the music again. I want to see if these fellows don't bow. They played the music again. They didn't bow. And the king said, I'm going to throw you in the burning fiery furnace now. We're going to heat that thing up seven times hotter than it was. And they say to the king, king, I, we're here to tell you, king. Our, our God, whom we serve, that's important, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. He's able. But if not, there's the cross. But if not, there's the cross. We will not bow. Well, the king had the music played and they didn't bow, so they were grabbed and thrown in the fiery furnace. Well, we know the story, don't we? And if you don't, it's an awesome story, Daniel chapter 3. They're thrown in the fire. They're bound first. They're bound. This is just an amazing story. They're bound, and they're thrown in the fiery furnace. And the guys who are taking them, they're being rushed to throw these three men in the fiery furnace. And as they're being rushed, the furnace was so hot, it killed the guys that were throwing them in the furnace. And you know what the fire did? Number one, the fire burned the, that which bound them, it freed them. And number two, it revealed someone who they didn't know was that close. They didn't know he was that close. And the king heard voices from that fiery furnace, and he got close enough to where he could look in there, and he said, didn't we cast three men down there? And he said, the king said, I see four. And the king said, and the form of the fourth man, and why he said this, I don't know how he would have had this knowledge. It's like the Son of God. I don't know if he may have heard them talking in the furnace and talking about the Son of God. And the king sees this. Oh, wow. And then he calls them out. He calls them out. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, come on out of there. Might as well. And they come on out of there, just the three of them. Now, that's interesting. Just the three of them. Now, he was always there, as he's always with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. But it's when you're bearing your cross the most. He's with you. He makes himself known. But there's something else about that story that I find fascinating. They get out and they testify to the king, and the king makes a new proclamation. But there's something said about them three fellas. They didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't have the stink on them. Now listen, I like a good wood fire and all of that. I love that. But you can always tell when you leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've been burning wood or something? We like going to El Maison. Matter of fact, 
looking to go this afternoon. We've discovered that you can carry El Maison with you after you leave. You can. You're just like, you got some of that El Maison perfume going. That's right. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I will admit it doesn't smell as good when you're getting it secondhand. It's kind of like garlic. Secondhand garlic does not smell good. I don't mind garlic. I like garlic. When someone comes walking around me and they're the aroma of secondhand garlic, I mean, that's kind of rank. I know it's the same garlic, probably the same garlic that I ate, but it smells worse on you. It's just... So, we got to get back to this. We need to understand Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to find your life, if you really want to have purpose, if you really want to have fulfillment, take up your cross. Do you not believe that the God of all heaven, who not, he didn't just create you, but he saved you, knows what's best for you? knows what will fulfill you, knows what will bring the most glory to God through you, knows how to fill your joy cup, and how to make you most useful for now and eternity. Because it's the eternal things that matter most. And we'll get to that. i got to move on. Next, look at verse 26. So for what is man? He goes on to say, For what is man profited if he gain the whole world and shall lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now that sounds like a great salvation verse and it can be used that way. But Jesus is asking a redundant question. Did you hear me? He's asking a redundant question. You all know what that is, right? A redundant question? That just for the two people that may not know. That, that's a question that the answer should be understood. The answer should be understood. Well, who's, why would we exchange anything in this world for the loss of our soul? It's, our soul holds so much more value. Okay? Eternity far outweighs the temporal. It's kind of like this. Uh, I got a dime. Would anybody swap a $100 bill for a dime? That's not even close illustration. But that is basically what he's saying about those who would say, you know what? I don't really want to follow you when it's inconvenient, which in essence you're saying, I, I don't want to follow you at all. But I, I want to do my own thing and kind of live for my own comforts. And, you know, I'll take the good things you give me. Uh, well, then really what you're doing is you're living for the dime. The dime. Hey, Lot. Hey, Lot, just a quick question. I know that your wife has turned to salt now, so you're going to have a chance to talk. That was bad. I don't know if I, 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 will you forgive me? Let me go back to the interview. 
Uh, Lot, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your wife. That sounds better. Just you and your two daughters, and uh, things have gotten very weird, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. I know it's embarrassing to talk about, and I, I just want to ask you a lot, uh, just hindsight, maybe some lessons you've learned here. Um, you know, you were following your uncle Abraham, worshiping the Lord, pretty faithful there, and you, actually you began, you knew the Lord through him, and... But, you know, you guys separated ways, and you uh, chose Sodom. What, what, what was the reasoning there? Uh, well, it just looked like a profitable place, materially speaking, and um, looked like a place of advancement, and a lot of creature comforts there. They had nice apartment complexes. Grocery stores were close. Uh, you know, there were carriage rides here and there. We didn't have to have our own. And uh, so it was a place to advance real quick. And you know, as a matter of fact, I moved up and sat in the gate. Well, okay, well, Lot, let me ask you. Obviously, I mean, that, that place is burned down now. Oh, I know. You got a word for us? Is, was that worth it? That was the stupidest decision I ever made. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost my testimony. And I will forever be remembered in infamy for shame and disgrace. And yet I'm a saved man. Well, what happened, Lot? Well, I guess what happened was the time that I had to decide to pick up a cross or live for myself. I chose a comfortable way. Thank you, Lot. Thank you. Thank you. This is this question is not it's not about salvation. But the obvious absurdity of the temporal being more important than the eternal. Uh, You need to move quickly. Verse 27. For the Son of Man, says Jesus, shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Let me say this. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but it is a gift For the who? For the guilty. We read that somewhere. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but a gift for the guilty. So what are these rewards here he's talking about? God wants us to know, number one, Jesus is coming back. You're carrying your cross. It's hard, son. It's difficult. I know. But I'm coming back. And I'm paying attention. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him, said Timothy, Paul to Timothy. He's coming back. Romans 8.18 says, The sufferings of this world cannot be compared to the glory that will be, within, that will be revealed when he returns. Now, uh, here, it, our, our heart attitude with the Lord Jesus, honest to goodness, ought to be this. And I know, I know uh, 
we got a variety watching and paying attention right now, but understanding ourselves as under his lordship, he's our captain. And when he says charge, there's no second thoughts. Charge! That's the last thing you want on, on a battlefield is the guy next to you or two or three people around you saying, you know, I don't know about this. I, uh, I mean, that's going to, that can be contagious. You're not going to win a battle that way. And I wonder, I just wonder if we're losing the cultural war because we're losing the cross war. You know, I just don't have time to go speak up at a teacher's meeting. I don't have time for all this. I don't have time to get myself involved in that. I, I just don't have time. I don't, and I understand, we are busy people, but Christian, I'm telling you, if uh, you got a dog in the fight, you better do something. I just called your teenagers dogs in the fight. That's terrible. If it's in your business, if it's in your company, wherever you're at, listen, we, if we're going to be the salt of the earth... We've got to determine we're going to carry our cross. I've got to wrap this up here. There's one more passage, verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there shall be, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. All right. Let me give clarity that verse and then simplify it. He's looking at the disciples in an actual sense, in the very literal sense, of the context. There was only one in the twelve that would see his coming in his kingdom. Now I know somebody could say, well, look at chapter 17, all three of them saw his glory. You could use that, but I've got a better, I've got a more sure word of prophecy for you. Does anybody want to guess which prophet it was? Or uh, not prophet, it was John what apostle it was. It was John. See, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, John saw Jesus coming as a king. He saw it. He was the last disciple to die a physical death. But he was allowed to see the revelation, the unfolding of the ages, and he records it for us in the book of Revelation. And Lord willing, we're going to get into Revelation soon. I had a lot of people writing their little paper there. Revelation, I'd like to so, so we're going to do that. I think it would be beneficial. But the reality is he was allowed to see the ages unfold and the final days. From rapture, tribulation, millennial reign, till the very end, the new heaven, new earth. He was able to see that. John saw that. But wait a minute, there's another truth. There's an underlying truth and application. Because the Bible tells us we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. When's that going to take place? When the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are called up. Then we which are alive and remain, apparently there's going to be some people alive that on this earth that are saved people, when the trumpet sounds and re uh, believers are resurrected, there will still be believers. I'm hoping I'm around during this time. There will be believers, and I, you probably are too. We call it the rapture. Uh, uh, Going to be around at the resurrection. As soon as they're resurrected, get ready. Gone. 
And according to the teaching, it could happen any time. The disciples believed it, could, it was imminent. It could happen any time, they believed. And if they felt that way, how much more today, I'm just telling you. And so what's the motivation? We wrap it up here. Well, number one, motivation to stay faithful in time of suffering is you choose, friend. You choose. Number two, uh, the mo- it's, when it's most comfortable to live for Jesus, it's always most profitable. Number three, uh, you wouldn't exchange the eternal for the temporal, would you? Number four, remember the king is coming and he's going to reward every, uh, the faithful. And then number five, he could come anytime. He could come anytime. Got to wrap it up, but... You ever been given a responsibility and the boss was going to come back or the parent was going to come back, but they didn't tell you exactly when they were going to come back? How many can testify to that with an uplifted hand? You were given a responsibility by your parent or by your boss, but they didn't tell you exactly when they were coming back, but they expected you to do this particular responsibility. It might have been cleaning the house. It might be a project at work that needed to be done. And, you know, what happens, it's easy to squander away when you don't know the time. You're not aware. But the wise person says, you know what, might as well get on it now because they could come back any time. They didn't give me a deadline. They would come back any time. You will come as a thief in the night to the world, but not to the saved. We should be looking. Lord, bless the message. Thank you for your word. May the Holy Ghost of God help us to be faithful. As we bear our cross, we rejoice and we are grateful for seasons of comfort, but we are mindful that cross-bearing is part of it. It may be some are bearing their cross through physical ailment and suffering. It may be some are bearing their cross through loneliness brokenheartedness and disappointment. It may be some are bearing their cross through financial struggles, but they're bearing their cross. I pray you'd encourage them and bless them and use them. May your Holy Ghost work in our hearts with heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Let me ask this question and I'll turn it over. If you're not 100% certain that heaven would be your home when you died, I'd like to pray for you. This morning you might say, Preacher, I don't, I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not sure that I'll go to heaven when I die. I'm just not sure. I'd like to be. If that's you, if you'd lift your hand so I can see it, lift it up high so I can see it, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone here like that that said, that's me, Preacher, pray for me? Anybody like that as I look around? Anybody as I look around? Lord, bless our invitation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian, come on up here.